the things we experienced this week that we thought we'd talk about, because I like connecting with you on manhood and like being a dad and where our backgrounds are so similar when we have differing views on things. I always like exploring that territory. But the John Bernthal, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan had John Bernthal on his podcast. And I'm I'm not sure if I'm saying his last name correctly. I'm not Sounds right. I'm not super tore up about it, <laughs> even if I don't get it right. He'll be all right. Yeah, he'll be okay. And when he watches this podcast, because I'm sure he does, he'll be like, you know. I had no idea he was so interesting or had like such an interesting past. His breakout role was The Walking Dead, but he went through this whole sprawling thing about mm-hmm. getting this fight and, his, and turning his life around. To hear him talk about it, he was, you know, heavy into drinking, bar fights all the time, just like this butthole <laughs> that you mm-hmm. did not want to be around. And apparently it was a moment after he got into this fight about his dog that he punched this dude out and the dude hit the concrete and he was knocked unconscious and the cops thought he was dying. The guy was going to die. He wasn't waking up. That John Bernthal sitting there in the police station, he'd already had run-ins with cops while he was younger. He's having this like moment of I'm either going one way or the other. If this dude never it doesn't wake up and it's you know manslaughter or whatever, I'm going to jail, and I'm going to have to be this this evil version of myself just to make it. Mm-hmm. But then he says he he says he looks up and says, "If you just get me out of this, I swear I'll dedicate myself to my lady and to my craft and blah blah all the stuff." And he says a second later, the guy comes back and says the guy woke up from the fight. So in a way, it kind of felt like he was trying to witness to Joe Rogan a little bit or talk about God or maybe he's a faith faithful person without necessarily ha- like diving into like a what do you believe kind of conversation with Joe Rogan. Do, what did it feel like to you? And he's Because that story was kind of like a pivotal moment in the whole conversation. I was uh, a little bit torn just, just by the way that he worded it, you know, because mm. he's like, he never said God. Yeah. And he was like, I looked up. And I said, and he, you know, he's talking to somebody. An entity. You know, if you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's like, and I dedicate, you know, myself to the right things and to you. You know, he's talking about God, but he never says God. Yes. And uh, and through the whole rest of the podcast, he doesn't, doesn't say and anything Joe Rogan like doesn't that. pressure him on it. Right, right. Which is interesting. So, yeah, without saying, uh, you know, it's kind of a roundabout way of, like, witnessing. Mm-hmm. Maybe I shouldn't, but I question where his actual faith is, you yeah. know, because it's like, okay, he believes in a God. If he's more like agnostic it, yeah, or something Yeah, could be agnostic, like uh, you know, or anything, really. Well, then he later he, even mention. he shares a story about his friends who one of them's a devout Muslim. Yeah. And the guy was going to go in and bomb the mosque. And that devout Muslim friend of his, she invites that guy to his to supper at her house and that guy winds up becoming a devout muslim reading the quran mm-hmm. becoming a devout muslim and leading that mom that mosque or whatever it was like yeah so i don't know if he's islamic you know if he if he subscribes to any faith right yeah but it was very interesting yeah it it, it is interesting when you think about when somebody gets in that situation like you said a pivotal moment where they're they're like you know this even out of out of control you know it's out of their hands and they know it 
Man, and it's so, like they look for, you know, people look for something so else. So many people have that rock bottom moment and they, mm-hmm. they have a deus ex machina or whatever it's called where they like pray for some divine intervention yeah. and something happens. And so many people walk away from that without any kind of spirituality. Mm-hmm. Still in the same boat of I'm an atheist and it is what it is. Wasn't that yeah. lucky? Right. When... In my head, if you pray for an outcome and that very specific outcome happens, it's much easier to believe the entity that you prayed to heard you and responded than it is you prayed and the coin flipped in your favor right? in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. Like with my back healing, and I know I go to it all the time, but I'm just still living in it. It's like that was a moment we were praying to a very specific entity, to Yahweh God, the father of Jesus, for this specific thing in my lower back to occur, and it happens. And some people that if I shared that story with them, they'd be like, well, isn't that fortunate that now you know how to deal with your pain better? Yeah. Or something. It's like, yeah. is it easier to believe that my body can just manifest some kind of healing on its own? in the exact moment that I'm praying to some fake deity, or is it easier to believe that this deity that I'm praying to answered my prayers? Mm-hmm. Like he recordedly had done for thousands of years. Yeah, It's just funny to me that somebody like John Bernthal ha- has that moment, and you cannot tell whether or not he really adjusted his life in a faith direction, a spiritual direction. You can tell that it adjusted his life with discipline. He says from that point on he was disciplined about about his relationship and about, you know, marriage and fatherhood and all these things that came later and 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 being an actor and all this stuff and and then all the doors opened for him. He said a year later after that uh, and exactly a year later he was on the set with The Walking Dead. Yeah, we're talking about like the the coincidence of praying to a god or or someone something. Yes. And then what you're praying for happens. You know, uh how many times do those things happen when when people don't pray? Mm. You know, it's like, oh, and you never hear people witnessing like, oh, and just by coincidence, I got healed. <laughs> you never hear that, right? Somebody's no. like, oh man, listen to what happened to me. Such a coincidence. <laughs> it's not. No, it's like I I whispered a prayer and this happened. You know. Yeah, and I didn't plan on this being like a super religious thing, but I I've mm-hmm. seen all this week. I've seen all these posts about how atheists in 2023 you bring them a a pumpkin pie for the family get together for the holidays Mm -hmm. and they're like and and they're like oh this looks wonderful and then you're like you think it just baked itself (laughs) i bet there was a baker wasn't there and they're like oh how dare you you still think there's a baker you know like and, and joe rogan's the type of guy that i feel like he accepts that there's some kind of spiritual realm out there that he don't understand because when you hear him talking about psychedelics and stuff like that he definitely talks like he believes in some mysticism of some degree, but he just hasn't figured it out. Yeah. So he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. You know. So he's just okay with with accepting that there's some sort of dimension out there that he can't understand. Yeah, I've seen uh, Neil uh, deGrasse Tyson talk yep. about Joe Rogan. He was like, you know, Joe takes on these ideas and he just kind of fills in the blanks. <laughs> he very much does, man. <laughs> so, you know... Uh, Maybe he'll figure it out. Well, so something that was interesting to me about their conversation, Joe Rogan and John Bernthal, is they he talked about the cultural difference in Russia, mm. like while he was over there, yeah. and how the Russians have this 
sort of, even though they don't necessarily agree with totalitarianism and they want freedom and democracy and all this, that rule with an iron fist kind of mentality, like our leader's a strong leader, is like still mm. super respected over there. Yeah. It's like ingrained in their culture. He said there's no such things as lines. Like if you're waiting in line and somebody just mm. cuts in front of you, like you either bow up and be like, hey, back and shove them back or they're yeah. just in front of you and it is what it is. Yeah. Because you weren't strong enough to. It's like a mob mentality. Yes. Yeah. It's whoever gets to it first. The dude. He, and and Joe Rogan agrees with him. He says when he, when he sees the fighters in the UFC mm. who are from Russia, there's such a culture there of overcoming adversity and, and being strong and being tough and, rep and a nationalism, let's say, of representing your country. Mm -hmm. if, and he even says this. If you're a good artist, you're a Russian artist. If you're a good mm. fighter, you're a Russian fighter. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. And he said that's not something necessarily that you have in the U.S., that kind of pride. He was even though when he comes to the U.S., he – John Bernthal was like, we live in the best country in the world, mm -hmm. the freest, best country in the world. It's unreal. Yeah. You know? We even talked about like you can't say certain things. Like there are certain countries, you know, you can't speak against the leaders, you know, or you'll be mm -hmm. like – Put to death or <coughs> jail or something like that. Well, he talked about those playwrights that at a certain time during during Stalin and all that stuff that, you know, in, in, in the heat and the height of communism, he was talking about how everything was controlled by the state, including right. the theaters. So if you did anything that you produced had to be pro-state or mm -hmm. you're in trouble. And he was talking about how these certain Russian playwrights had done this same play over and over and it had been like Stalin had seen it or whatever and was like, this is amazing, this is wonderful and they loved it and then somebody somewhere, some critic said, I think there's some anti-state messages in there and then those guys were executed. Yeah. Like, one person's perspective and opinion. We can't have that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's amazing how different that culture is and and, and what we take for granted over here. Mm. But one thing he said really stuck with me he raises his kids in a very safe, loving, uh, affectionate, empathetic, r affirming home, kind, teaching them to be kind and generous and all this stuff. But then he says, but also what made him so tough, what made him so strong and resilient and committed to disciplines when he agreed to be disciplined about art and all. He said what made him have that was his the adversity that he grew up with and like – the rough neighborhoods and getting into those fights and stuff. So he said he has to represent adversity to his kids. And that's something I'm trying to figure out. And so you as a dad, like, I'm like, did you ever have that moment where you felt like I, I need to represent some sort of adversity to my kids while being loving and kind to where they have obstacles to overcome, to prepare them for the world. Like that was such yeah. a, a strange concept to me, but I felt like it was vital that I, I don't know how to do that. Like, what does that look like as a dad? Yeah, I've got two daughters, so I'm pretty much a softy <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to them. Uh, yeah, whatever they wanted is what I what I tried to to, That's to give them. The adversity, <laughs> the no. adversity you represented for them <laughs> yeah. was, what do you want, darling? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think there's, uh, and I don't know about adversity, but like, definitely representing an authority okay and the line of yes i'm here to to nurture you and provide and protect you mm -hmm. but also 
there's a line that that you got to cross that says there's also this authority where I've got to make sure you stay within the the right lines. Mm. With three younger boys, I've always I always feel like there's times that I'm missing the mark. Like even right now, like we're talking and I've got my boys, they're playing some Nintendo, and I'm not, I don't have them trapped there all day long, but it's like mm-hmm. for 30 minutes or so, they're going to be back there playing Nintendo. Like, how do I create in a loving way hurdles and obstacles and adversity for them to, to, to bow up and overcome mm. to where they know what that feels like? You know, I've thought about sitting them in the garage in front of the punching bag and like having them yell at me things like, I'm going to knock you out or whatever, and like mm-hmm. kind of get all their blood pumping and then be like, all right, let's calm down. Let's get this back down. Let's see mm-hmm. how it feels. And But I don't know how to do that, like how you create mm-hmm. that spirit of sort of adversity mm. for your for your kids, especially. I got three boys, so it's like yeah. I want them to be leaders. I want them to be conquerors, you know, and for all of you guys who think all masculinity is toxic, well, get over it. You know, I don't care. Flip to another mm-hmm. podcast. I think physical uh, challenges are good. Mm-hmm. Not just like, let's go out and play, you know, and do something physical for fun, mm-hmm. but like, like kind of like you mentioned with the punching bag, like have a set challenge for them to do. Uh, I know, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Jason Wilson. He runs the, the Cave of Adullam in I Detroit. I don't know him or the Cave of Adullam. Let's talk about this a second. <laughs> yeah, so he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast. mm um, he's got a documentary that just came out last month. It's on ESPN Plus. He saw a need for young black boys in Detroit hmm. needing a strong example, and he deals a lot with that. He so it's a martial arts studio, and he teaches them martial arts, but he also teaches them self control. A big part of it is self-control. He checks on their grades. He's like, you know, fully into this kid's uh, life. And they've got like a waiting list of kids to try to get into his classes. Yeah. If you ever see any of his any of his videos online, it's it's brings you to tears to watch him communicate with these boys because, you know, you can see his care, but also the way that he builds them up. Mm. And uh, then he brings the family in there and he makes the dad like fight. Uh, I'm getting choked up a little bit here. He yeah. makes the dad uh, fight for his son. Mm. Uh, and it's Dang, powerful. Man. What was his name again? Jason Wilson. Jason Wilson. Mm-hmm. That's something people don't know, man. And, and, you're a dad, so I know that you you feel this, but dad to son, if they fall short, if they did not get everything out of a sport or if they didn't excel or they didn't do X, Y, and Z and get it right and, and crush it, you don't feel like it's their fault. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like it's because the, the ability is not in them because in your head, you're like, they can conquer the world. They're the toughest brightest smartest coolest so you feel like it has to be your fault Hmm. you know or at least i do where it's like if he's not the best at basketball it's not his fault it's me Mm -hmm. it's because i did not do it i did not prepare him enough and to think about now some of these boys that you're talking about boys that even some that don't have that father figure too right 
to not have anybody in your corner promoting you from the bottom up, from when you're really young and, and pushing you and pushing. And by promoting, that's what I mean. I don't mean coddling you and mm-hmm. saying everything's going to be all right. I mean like pushing you in the ways that I told – I said I don't even have figured out. Like I wonder how to make my kids tough and strong and, and, yeah. and all these things when all I do want to do is hug them and love them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I don't know how you do it, mm-hmm. especially if you if you're not a faith based person, if you're right. not a believer, if you're not if you're not raised in that structure. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do, like how do you do it? Yeah, I've <coughs> had the uh, the thought recently uh, that kind of along those lines as as a parent, you know, you want success for your child in the future when they're grown. I had kind of played it out in my mind if somebody asked me uh about raising kids i would tell them make them do things mm. make them do things they don't want to do because <laughs> that's that adversity you're talking about you know it's like okay start them on instruments you know musical lessons and like this and say you know this is what we're going to do right now you're going to learn how to play an instrument of your choice you know, you're going to learn how to use a paintbrush the correct mm-hmm. way. You're going to learn how to build something with your hands. You know, you'll learn how to use tools. You know, set these these things up with, that are skill-based that they can really learn fast when they're young. Because when they get older, yeah. it's going to be very hard for them to pick it they're up. Like Their interest is not going to be there. They're like fresh Play-Doh. Yes. When they're young, you can just do whatever. Yeah. And I feel like over time, it's like the Play-Doh has been setting out. Yeah. Like it, it wants yeah. to bend and, and then it just snaps. Yeah. If, you, if you're not constantly changing and adapting and molding it. Like mm-hmm. that to me, yeah, I agree with you. That to me is like the perfect example. Like young minds are moldable. Young yeah. people are moldable and they can stretch to, to do things and learn how to do things. And I do feel like... <clears throat> Part of the reason mean as an adult is is that I feel like if, if there's something I want to get done, I can do it. It's not because I'm a dude. Like mm. most guys have that ingrained in them. If you had a dad at all, it's like you got to figure it out. Like mm. if there's the flat tire, you got to fix it. Like it's just yeah. guyhood, you know, or manhood or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like you got to mm-hmm. figure out how to do these things. You feel like you have to produce something. Mm-hmm. But the, one of the reasons why I feel like if there's something I need a challenge set before me, I, I'm gonna go ahead and figure it out is because I was like you said, forced to do some things that I wasn't even interested in, Mm. you know, but I needed it. And I made the choice to do them, like learning how to do hardwood and work construction at a young age. I learned how to put things together and there was a payday at the end. And that's, that's how I bought my stuff and everything. It's like, Mm -hmm. I agree, dude, that is, yes, I agree with you a hundred percent. In our house, it's like, uh, you want, you're going to try every sport and the ones Mm. that you like the most, we're going to go. And I just had a conversation with my boys the other day that now they're both really solid basketball players for the it's peewee league so nobody's a really solid basketball mm-hmm. player but they're doing the things they're supposed to getting the rebounds dribbling scoring points in games making good passes doing good defense hands where they're supposed to be and i told him i said remember how when we first started about a year ago you guys were terrible mm-hmm. and they could not make a basket it was awful and they're like yeah and we're like is is basketball more fun now that you're better at it or was it or is it fun to suck at it? Mm. And they're like, oh, it's way more fun now. And I'm like, exactly. Like, but you know how to get yeah. to point. Like they're learning how you get to point A to point B. And right. that you can, that is possible. Mm. It's possible to get here. But it takes all these little things in between. 
I wish my parents had made me learn piano or something, man, when I was mm. younger. Yeah. It was just because I decided, oh, I might want to play guitar or something that I picked up some music. They'd made me learn piano when I was little. Dude, <laughs> the places I'd be right now. <laughs> Wouldn't be here talking to you. No, I'm just kidding. So much about those conversations, the conversation Joe Rogan had with John Bernthal and then watching The Whale, so much of that made me take inventory of like my blessings and like uh, what I do with my life and the and choices we're making. I wanted to talk about this for just a second that you and I have a very, very similar background, mm -hmm. but, I, and you know, we're both preachers kids. I've said that two or three times while we're talking, we're both fathers, but I want to talk about how our faith, where you're at and your faith walk and where I'm at. Like, and like I said, any of this, mm -hmm. we don't want to touch on and get too, too personal and we don't have to, but I want to talk about it because I think, the main thing that separates humans, in my opinion, is circumstance. Hmm. I think that we're all like, there's this thing I, I, I subscribe to is that we're all one choice away from being each other, you know, at different times, you know, like yeah. you're one or two choices away from being that guy. So like, don't hmm. judge so hard or, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. as a single man now, instead of as a family man, hmm. I've been finding, finding my way in a different way hmm. than I have ever been accustomed to do you think as someone that approaches like that 30s 40s mark as, as a man what do you think is the most important thing that you have to have like that you have to know in your life to like to keep going like what's the most important thing i'll say for me it's purpose i feel like as a man the thing i've struggled with the most through my circumstances good or bad is purpose like wondering what my purpose is feeling like i have a purpose because if i don't feel like i have purpose that's when my, i've i've had the worst days of my life regardless of my circumstance is when me alone in my head mm -hmm. begin to assume or, or believe that which is a lie i know it's a lie but that idea that i have no reason or no purpose mm -hmm. that to me has given me the darkest days of my life in the past however many like decade let's say is when i would get alone with those thoughts even if i was on top of the mountain even if i was celebrating a number one single or whatever if i got alone with myself and started working through thoughts of not having purpose that would give me my darkest days any time yeah definitely um purpose is is big for me too um i don't know if it's the same for everybody mm. like you said like it's certain age or you know uh, situation but for me personally, my personality, uh, I guess, uh, purpose is big because I'm one who likes um, service to others. Mm. So if I don't feel like I have that going on in my life, uh, you know, every day as a general part of my life, you do feel like you don't know what you're doing. You know, you get, I mean, it brings down your whole, you know, your whole altitude. A lot of people, I'm sure it even puts into depression mm. and, uh, you know, you get, you just get down on, on life in general. If you don't have something to, uh, put your energy into. I saw a meme, which means it's total bull crap, but uh, I saw this little meme that this guy, his little cartoon guy was pouring some water in this little bowl and he's like, 
I have no, there's no meaning for my life. I'm so purposeless and useless. Like I don't even know what I'm doing here. And he walked away. And these like three little pigeons come by and are drinking the water. And they're like, God bless whoever puts this water in this bowl every day. And it's like that reminder of even when you feel like you don't have any purpose, whatever, you're something for somebody, Mm. you know. I wonder why as, as, as men, I don't think it's culturally created. I think that we need to be, we feel this need to be producing and contributing more than just the water in the bowl for the pigeons. Mm. You know, I think it's harder for us to, to celebrate those tiny reasons for being, uh, and it, it's harder for us to recognize them. Mm. I feel like, and so what you're saying is kind of like, you feel like, and I could be wrong, but a big part of your purpose you felt like was uprooted when the things in your family dynamic shifted so much. It's like, holy mm-hmm. crap, like this right. is what I was. Now all these labels are different and I'm wearing these new labels. Mm-hmm. And I, I connect with that some, not nearly to the degree. I'm not trying to belittle what where the the reinventing you've been doing, you know, of yourself. Mm-hmm. But I connect with it some on the sense of how COVID just literally kind of just shut the whole band down. Yeah. And for a while I would just was like I got, what am I doing? I got nothing. Yeah. You know, I'm, well, you do something for so long, you know, and you, you, it's clear, you know, it's clear what you're doing. Yeah. And then when that gets taken away, it's like, I don't I have no idea where I'm at right now. <laughs> the immediate response is not to find the new thing. The immediate response is to cling to what was for as long as you can. Yeah. It's safe and comfortable. Yeah. And it's hard to just, hold your nose and dive into the new thing right you know and i'm not sure if it attacks women the way it attacks it attacks men Hmm. i don't know that it does i feel like men you have to feel like you have purpose even outside Hmm. of a job and i feel like that's why men went to the workforce so hard so fast all the time is because that was your purpose you did this for nine to five you come home you brought the bread home you supplied mm-hmm. the home, blah, 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 whatever. It's like, that was your purpose. Right. And I feel like now as those lines of defined, those definitive lines of breadwinners and all this stuff and like these different ways to work, work from home mm-hmm. and, and all this stuff, I feel like it's, it is kind of made purpose harder to find. Mm. At least it has for me, mm-hmm. you know, and I know I always have purpose in God and that's where I can say like, the end of this year, it's gotten better because I know God's like, hey, I have a purpose for the story. You being a storyteller, it's because somebody's going to need your story or need a story. Mm-hmm. You being empathetic with your kids because somebody's going to need you to sit and listen to them one day. You know, and I can I can know that all of that is 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 relevant and that I, I can keep myself prepared for the moment when somebody needs something that God's got in me. Mm-hmm. So... For me right now, it's like the day in, day out may feel, I may feel adrift sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But I I feel like it's preparing myself for a moment with somebody. But Mm. the down moments or the slow moments are designed for me to make choices like, okay, I'm either going to build, like fill my well with some stuff that's ready to, to help somebody else. Or I, or I'm just gonna get lost in this moment and be like, I don't feel like I have a purpose. Like, well, the purpose of this moment might be to help you gird up for, mm. you know, the opportunity in the future. Yeah, yeah. 
If you like this clip from the Not Gospel Studios YouTube channel, don't forget to share. Click on one of the other links and videos. You can find them here and here and subscribe. I think it's down here. Tell your friends about us. Tell them that it's healthy, that it's vegan, and all of those things. Keep being awesome because that's how God made you.